episode 55 of Friends at Film, a podcast for talk about movies and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. On this episode, we're going to talk about Logan's final trailer, Tim Miller helming a, a Terminator reboot, a Black Adam solo movie, and more, all before we review Split. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hello, Cooper, and hello, everyone. How's your week been? It's been good. Got a lot of watch a lot of movies, so that's always a plus. Yeah, I finally dived into, well, not finally, but this movie that Matthew McConaughey did back in 2000, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, I watched that this week. You've never seen it? I've never seen it, and people have been talking about it like it's the Mean Girls of Matthew McConaughey movies. Like, you need to have seen it, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was corny a lot, but, you know, it's a typical rom-com. Yeah, I, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, is a, I think, is a really funny movie. Uh, it's pe- been a while, but... People have said... Somebody told me it's like it's a better movie about journalism than like all the president's men or something like that. It got me to laugh, but... Okay. I don't... And then caught up on Mad Max again. All of them or just Fury Road? I did the third one and then Fury Road. Okay. And uh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable how good that movie is. Just nonstop. The action. third one or the Fury Road? Fury Road. <laughs> <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> no. The the uh, the Dennis not Dennis Quaid. The the guy. The guy. Mad Max. Oh. Never mind. Okay. How was your week? My week was good as well. You talk. You you thinking Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Okay. Thank you. I was like. Am I missing something? Uh, I was about to just shout out Hacksaw Ridge, <laughs> but that wouldn't have been helpful. Yeah, uh, it might have helped a little bit. I would be like, oh, Andrew Garfield's not in Mad Max as far as I remember. But uh, yeah, good week. I had a little bit of a Sylvester Stallone uh, dive this week. Rocky? I, no, not not Rocky. Catching up on some other movies I haven't seen of his. Tango and Cash, him and Kurt Russell. Uh, not familiar. It's like just your typical like... 80s action film where it's just like story's pretty weak but there's like great one-liners and Stallone and Russell together is just perfect uh so really enjoyable movie uh I also watched Judge Dredd oh, uh yeah, Stallone's take on the Dredd uh mythology not great um but I really liked Diane Lane in it uh which that was a kind of a pleasant surprise I didn't know she was in the movie at all and then like there's weird twists with the movie takes i don't know it's not it's not that good yeah it's hard not to see it as like a, an attempt to copy like the dystopian robocop or um what's the other one yeah it felt blade very runner. it felt very blade runner yeah especially just the way it was kind of all it all looked and everything um i also watched green lantern which is fitting so we're going to talk about green lantern this week That's just uh, as bad yeah it's actually like i was looking at like previous times like you know it's not that's not terrible that i was watching I was like yeah this is not good mm-hmm. <laughs> um other ones i did a triple header last night unbreakable uh m night Shyamalan's other movie uh or one of his other movies he's made many others and then after watching split i wanted to watch more line taylor joy so i watched the witch and then to top it all off in a kind of a happier ending i watched mike and dave need wedding dates there you go so is that your first time seeing that one yep would you, did you like it? I did like I it. I raved about this you did. early summer. You did. I, I would I would not match your enthusiasm, but I did think it was like it was pretty funny. I think the the way it all kind of wraps up together is so quick. Uh I don't I don't like that. Okay. And I mean the bright stop bot was definitely 
Zach Efron and Anna Kendrick together. I thought they were just perfect. And I was mm-hmm. like, bring them on to pitch perfect three. I mean, come on. Yeah, they're, for sure. Chemistry is already amazing. Um, him and Adam Devine are great too. Yeah. And, but like, I, I wasn't a big fan of Audrey Plaza actually, which was kind of a surprise. She took a backseat to everyone else. Yeah. And like her and Devine's chemistry, I didn't think worked. And that's, I mean, that's kind of their characters in a way, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't, I don't like when you guys are on screen together. Let me like, they were good separate, but it was just whenever they were together, yep. I, was like, I don't, I don't like yeah. it, but, uh, yeah. Then obviously split, which we'll get to later. Um, but got to get some news first. Uh, if you want to skip straight to our review, there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode. Uh, hopefully you'll stick around for the news. Uh, and it was a busy week for news, not just movies, but across the world. Uh, some big things happening, some more divisive than others. Uh, and I know there's been one story that definitely has left people on one end or the other, whether or not you like it or not, uh, came later in the week. Uh, kind of crappy, uh, and it's because Patrick Stewart is the poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is actually, I think it's actually great though. Okay. Uh, that's where I'm coming down on it. I like the idea of the poop emoji being the most regal human being on the planet, yeah. the most distinguished, I yeah. should say. I guess we should say this is for the emoji movie, uh, if that wasn't clear, I guess. Um, I would just kind of, I rolled my eyes to this. I was like, why is Patrick Stewart doing this? Because... I mean, you're coming in on such a high for me with Logan right now. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, but I'm going to be the poop emoji. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I think it's a good juxtaposition. Uh, but I, I want the man to do as much voiceover as possible because I think he just has a great voice. That is true. Uh, moving to another animated film, also from Sony. They announced like a year ago they're going to do an animated Spider-Man film. It was heavily rumored since then that it would be led by Miles Morales' version of Spider-Man. They have now confirmed that Miles will be the lead and also confirmed that Bob uh, Persichetti and Peter Ramsey will be directing the film with uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller producing. Bob Persichetti did the Netflix original Little Prince, okay. which I just got to watch, and it was a pretty good job. Um, I don't know how it translates to doing a superhero mm-hmm. animated film, but with Phil Lord and Chris Miller EPing, I'm already hooked on this how about you yeah i think i like the idea that they're going to bring miles in as the lead because it gives them a chance to further boost miles popularity with the general public because everybody knows when you say spider-man you think peter parker that's just how that's just how it is uh for most people i mean i'm sure there's someone's like oh no miles is my spider-man but for the most people it's peter parker and that's the only that they don't even know that about miles but doing this you can introduce Miles to the general public, get him in like their conscious, be like, oh, I wish we could see him more. And then maybe after they do one or two of these animated films, then the MCU will be ready to introduce Miles and people already have that familiarity with the character there and everything. So I think it's just a smart business move for them. Uh, and another smart business move for Tom Hardy would apparently be doing James Bond only if Christopher Nolan directed it, according to an interview you did with The Daily Beast. That is that is an incredible idea. Uh, I didn't know Christopher Nolan even wanted to do James Bond, but Tom Hardy team, teaming up with him would be just perfect. Yeah, I don't know if Nolan actually wants to do it. I know I remember there were a bunch of rumors before Dunkirk was announced that his next movie was going to be Bond, and because it would be Bond twenty five, and it's just like 
you get a pristine director for the 25th installment of your franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be great. I'd love to see it. I don't think Tom Hardy or Christopher Nolan will probably land the next Bond movie. I won't just because there hasn't been any traction on it really outside of Daniel Craig saying, "Yeah, I don't want to do it." Right. We, we got some. We got the kick up with uh, Tom Hiddleston being you know, shopped oh, around yeah. or, you know, his name getting floated out there. But in the same Daily Beast article, it does talk about how Nolan, it, it's been a desire of Nolan's to get a Bond really? movie in. Yeah. Oh. Well, then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that will happen. Oh, who knows? But Tom Hardy, aces, man. Yes. Uh, another potential team up we could see in the future is the G.I. Joes and the Transformers. Uh <laughs> DJ Caruso is currently attached to direct a GI Joe three. And he told Collider this week that the vert, that the pitch he told uh, Paramount, I believe that at the end of his movie, there'd be a crossover between the Joes and the transformers. So would you want to see this crossover? What? Uh, I, I'm just now starting to think Transformers looks like a movie franchise I want to get on board in. Okay. And after watching the, was it Retaliation? Mm-hmm, that was the that, second one. That, that was brutal. Like, brutally bad, I thought. Uh, I don't know if I want to see them, you know, infect each other. <laughs> I think the, the big reason for this, if it does happen, would just be so you can have The Rock and Transformers on the same screen because... The Transformers by themselves already make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The Rock brings in money. Totally. Uh, if you combine the two forces, then it's like, all right, we're going to make $1.5 billion on this film. Yeah, but why not? You're going to make $1.5 billion with the Transformers. Why not just like take The Rock and then drop them in Transformers? The the, the rationale is because this is they're trying to make like a Hasbro universe behind the scenes oh. with Micronauts, G.I. Joes, Transformers. Bring them all together. Uh, they each have writers' rooms and everything, and I I think it makes sense for them to do it because I mean the GI Joe movies each of them made like three hundred million dollars worldwide, mm-hmm. not terrible, but definitely not you know near to like you're not going to break any records of those numbers. So I think if you can if you could squeeze a Transformers cameo in there, like Bumblebee shows up at the very end or something and helps him out. Like you just okay, that could be dope. You're boosting revenue. Uh, maybe that's the offshoot for the Bumblebee spinoff is Bumblebee and <laughs> The Rock as Rampage from GI Joe and like that'd uh, be sweet team up. Yeah, so I would. I think it is something we will eventually will see. Uh, even though Caruso told Clyder that he doesn't think it will happen until Michael Bay leaves the franchise. So who knows when that will be? Uh, he says Transformers Five is his last one. But he said the same about Transformers Four, and I think Transformers Three as well. So. I have no idea, but I would be on board to see this crossover. Uh, We did get some video game news as well with Variety reporting that uh, The Division will be directed by Steven Goggin. Ooh. So this, with Jake Gyllenhaal, Jessica Chastain, and the guy who directed Gold this year. Yes. Uh, Sounds like a good pair to me, or trio. Yeah. I haven't seen Gold yet. Me either. I think it we might actually review it next week, depending on if, I don't know what next week releases look like, but mm-hmm. I think that's when we're supposed to get. So may, I might have a better opinion about this come next week, but yeah, I'm just glad that Joan Hall and Chastain are confirmed. It looks like they have a director who at least attracts top tier talent. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and hopefully 
help turn around the video game movie genre. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but we talked about this guy a lot in the past or the last couple of weeks, uh, Sterling K. Brown. And after joining Black Panther, he is now in talks to join another big franchise, that being Shane Black's The Predator, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Holy smokes. Okay, we keep getting Predator castings. Mm-hmm. And once we learned that Benicio Del Toro exited the franchise, everybody else that they've grabbed for this movie has just been top tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not familiar with Stanley K. Brown still because I haven't seen any of his work as far as I know, but... He's obviously one of like the hottest names currently in the business coming off of uh, The People vs. OJ, and then he's on This Is Us. Yes. And obviously just got attached to Black Panther as well, so that's going to boost your your credibility or your popularity or whatever. Uh, so I think this is great. And yeah, like you said, you lose Benicio, which is a big loss, but then you fill it out with Boyd Holbrook, Michael uh, Keegan, or Michael Keegan Key, mm-hmm. uh, or Keegan Michael Key. It's Keegan, Keegan it's Michael Ke- it's Ke- K. Keegan Michael. It's Keegan Michael Key. Olivia Munn. Yes. Um, Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight, mm-hmm. and now Sterling K. Brown. So, I like the ensemble that Shane Black's assembled, and the detail the or his character details are he's going to be a government agent who locks up Boyd Holbrook, and then has to then free him to help fight the predator epidemic that's roaming through the suburbs. And Ooh. apparently there's going to be multiple predators. Bring it on. So I like the sound of this movie. I uh, can't wait to actually get some, get a trailer for it. It comes out early next year. So it'll be before we know it. And another movie that is rapidly approaching is the power Rangers movie. One we haven't talked about a lot because there's their marketing. has just been like shut down. But it came back to life this week in a big way with their first official trailer, because I guess the first one was a teaser trailer. What did you think of it? It was, well, we got our first look at Zordon, voiced by Brian Cranston. It was not at all what I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, His voice was totally, it felt like totally unaugmented at all. So he just sounded like a normal guy, which is interesting. Zordon used to have this like super Wizard of Ozzy voice, whatever. But it worked. Um, and then we got to see the Megazoids, uh, but then Kanye West popped up, you know, with a track. <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about that, but seeing the Power Rangers in their suits, like, you know, kicking butt, it looked pretty sweet. Did it do it for you? You've been skeptical. Yes, I've been skeptical. Very skeptical. Uh, I'm still not sure how good this movie's going to be. I did like this trailer a lot, uh, because it, it just it threw everything at you. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, there's Brian Cranston, Zordon. There, we got to hear Bill Hader as Alpha 5. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, we got to see each of the Megazords, and then we got to see them all uh, team up for... Assemble, combine. Yeah, uh, to fight uh, Goldon, which is like some huge gold beast that uh, Reader Pulse is controlling. So, and like yeah, like their action when they're in the suits, I was like, cool. We get to see them that, that like that really cool shot of all of them walking out of like a ship or a hallway or something. And you're just like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then they go and fight the putties and stuff. And like I watched Power Rangers as a kid, it didn't leave a lasting impact on me. Like where I remember like all these storylines and all these characters and everything. But uh, I am interested to see what they do with the film. Um, but if there's one thing I'm concerned about with the trailer, is I feel like they showed everything. Where it's like, well, what's going to be the surprise of the movie now? Because I've I've seen them suit up, mm-hmm. I've seen them 
get in their zords. I've seen them form the Megazord. I've seen them fight another huge monster at the very end, what's probably the very end of the film. Uh, so what's what's going to be the surprises left for me as an audience member? Well, if there are rumors are to believe, there is one surprise. But okay. I don't know if I'll bring it up here just for, you know, super spoiler warnings. But uh, it seems like there could be an appearance of somebody else to help these guys out near the end. Okay. I have um, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't want to bring it up just because I don't know where our audience is. Okay. But Interesting. I'll, I'll give you a shout out once we get this episode done. Okay. Uh but oh, also the last thing I want to say about the trailer. Uh, I really liked. I mean, there was good humor in it. That was one thing I did like. I uh, like <laughs> yes. the part where they're they jump in the water, like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we have our colors." And the guy who's the Black Ranger, who's uh, Asian, he's like, "Oh, I'm black." And then R.J. Siler's like, uh, "No, you're not." Yeah, he's like, "No, dude, I really am." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No, like, I'm the Black Ranger." He's like, what the heck? Uh, which yes. I thought that I thought that was funny. So. Hope if they can keep that kind of lighthearted tone, mm-hmm. uh, deliver on the action, then I should be okay with the film. Yeah, once stick with the done. stick with the Breakfast Club vibes mm-hmm. as much as you possibly can yes. before going Dark Knight on me. Yes, uh, and like they have like they want like six sequels yeah. out of this, so then they, they have to start it off. They need to start it off good, um, but not the beginning of a franchise. The end of a run, in a way, is Logan. Hugh Jackman's last time, as of right now, as Wolverine, we got our second trailer, and I, it, it's not better than the first because that's really hard to say. Because the fr- that first trailer is just like it grows on me every time I see it. Just Johnny Cash, her, like it's just like oh, it's so good, and like it just gives you that that feel. But this one is totally different. Oh, like in a sense, it's X twenty three focused. It is so good. Like it's close. It's really close okay. to being better than the first one, but I I can't give it that edge right now. But I mean, there are just so many great things in the in the trailer, especially if you watch the Red Band trailer. Like you see that they're going for the art, the the violence is there. There's blood going everywhere. And then my favorite, there's my two favorite moments of the trailer came from when Laura Kinney's just like walking out of the house when Boyd Holbrook's there to yes, like his army to get there, and she just like throws down. Uh, the the handcuffs swings off her backpack and she's just walking towards me. You can only see her fist, and they just the claws saw the coat. And he's like, no, yes, no, 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 no. And he's like, you like, oh, these guys know each other from before. And he like he understands mm-hmm. if she pulls out those claws, they're screwed. It's not gonna go well for anybody here. Uh, so I really like that. And then there's a part in uh, it's probably later on in that scene, or it's like it's later on in the movie where. Uh, Hugh Jackman's and Wolverine like is fighting people in the woods, and then he like he takes a swing at somebody, bends down, and then she jumps off his back, and like there's a cool camera shot they do. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that is so cool. Um, but what do you think of the trailer? I I I thought it was better. Okay. Than the first because of all of X twenty three combined. The first one was a great opening. This is the meat of the movie. This is the story. This is this is the Logan finally getting used to being part of a team or a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like you just mentioned, those two scenes were fantastic, with the, especially with Boyd Holbrook, because he's, he just knows, like, this is, we are all doomed if we cannot keep, you know, keep this mm-hmm. contained. And then the next scene, later in that, probably in that, um, in that, in that one set, is her chopping off what looks like Boyd Holbrook's uh, metallic arm. Oh. Well, and like in the car spin, and I'm like, 
this kid is kicking more butt than Logan uh, <laughs> early on in the movie. And I thought that was fantastic. And then um, something that I thought was weird was X-Men comics are in this franchise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that works, but I loved Logan's reaction to it. He picks it up. And he's just like, like a quarter of this happened. Uh, and he like looks at him, he sees like himself in his, you know, his X-Men suit. Yep. He's like, and definitely not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. Uh, Patrick Stewart playing like the fatherly figure throughout the movie was, uh, or the grandpa figure yeah. or whatever, the seasoned vet. I love that. I love that take on him. Um, so all of this is making for a really good movie, a, gr- a super great action hero superhero movie Mm -hmm. and uh i cannot wait to get this on march 3rd yeah it's gonna be great a second whenever yeah it's uh like basically a month and a couple weeks away which is it's nuts um and yeah the the comics maybe we'll talk about in just a second uh with the next news story that's related to logan um but the thing that like the the thing i was thinking immediately as the trailer ended was if X-23 is as good as she appears to be in this trailer, how do they leave her in 2029, you know, 15 years or whatever ahead of the rest of the X-Men timeline? Like, that, like I feel like she's going to be such a standout in the film. People are going to love X-23 that they're going to want to see more. And you're setting yourself up unless you have, like, Cable come time traveling in there at the very end and, like, mm-hmm. take her back to the past for some reason that you kind of waste your opportunity to use her unless they just discard Logan entirely and just introduce her in the nineties as part of new mutants or something. You don't think they'll follow through with my, you know, very well thought out established plan of moving her into the future. Uh, I mean, she's in a- her own standalone franchise as a teenager, young adult, uh, because uh, like uh, they, they could conceivably do that. Yeah. But I think it's clear from this whole story, it's just about Logan, you know, mm-hmm. learning to actually take responsibility for some stuff. Like, it's a, it's a character journey for him, and she's just a piece of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... I, I, I don't know how... Or if they would do that, because this movie already takes place in the future of the X-Men timelines, plural, because you got the... <laughs> Apocalypse, Supernova, New Mutants timeline. You got the Deadpool timeline. Then you have like the original movies timeline, which don't count anymore because they'd be like they were retconned by yes. the future past. And now you have Logan. So I don't I don't know why they would then move themselves further into the future with X twenty three. I feel like if they're gonna continue on with X twenty three, whether they re, whether they keep Daphne Kane or they recast somebody older, uh, that they would just take her to the past so then she could be involved with the like she could be involved with deadpool she could be part of like the x-force or something because otherwise i don't i just don't like how they would then just like all right that was cool but we'll never see you again mm-hmm. and i don't know if they have the confidence that an x-23 film could be its own franchise. I think if they did, they'd want to test the waters and having her as a teenager or something team up with the new mutants or Deadpool or the X-Force or whatever. And then if she is well-received again, then you spin her off into her own movie. But I think either way, uh, the movie's going to be awesome. Yes. So 
One thing that could make it more awesome or less awesome, depending on how you look at it, uh, is apparently the film takes place outside of the traditional X-Men timeline universe. Uh, as Hugh Jackman told that to Digital Spy this week, and he said the reasoning behind this move uh, was from Fox because they knew it was his last time, and they're like, we want you to make the best Wolverine movie possible, so you just do whatever you want. Don't worry about continuity. Don't worry, which is kind of their mantra anyway, but (laughs) uh, don't worry about it. Just do whatever you want. And it looks like it's turned out for the best. So do you like the idea that Wolf, that Logan takes place outside of the X-Men timeline? Absolutely. Uh, like, I think I've done, like, you know, multiple eye rolls every time we bring up the X-Men timeline because it's just so disjointed and there seems to be no concerted effort other than in, like, interviews to try to tie it all together. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 actually, it does work yeah. after I, you know, you know, put out you know, an entire medium article of like how it all fits together. Uh, so this is, I think this is good. It means that they can stay as true to the old man, Logan, um, content, and then, you know, go their own directions with it without having to worry about, uh, connecting the dots to, um, whatever happened in days of future past or, uh, apocalypse. Is this, I mean, I know we, we dig this a lot, but, are you good with this? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've caught. I don't know. Over the last like year or so, I've just kind of accepted the fact that Fox doesn't care about continuity, and mm-hmm. uh, they're just gonna make solo X Men movies that they think are as best, regardless of what it means for the future or the past of these characters. Um, so I'm not surprised. I've kind of already kind of felt that this was the case because it just felt so different than anything else that it's like. Obviously, there's connections because you have Patrick Stewart in there as Professor X. You have uh, Hugh Jackman again as Logan, as Wolverine. And I'm sure there's going to be other winks and nods to maybe some other people from Logan's past or whatever. But, I mean, it, it's if, if it's like a reboot that's only going to last a movie, which is a weird way to take it. But I understand why they do it, especially if Logan delivers and is the best Wolverine film and maybe even the best X-Men movie then I'll be totally fine with it. And I think this kind of explains why the X-Men comics are there because you can, you can like have that fun moment being like, yeah, we're, this movie is based on comics. And now in this world we have comics because everything that happened in Wolverine's past was so front and center in the minds of the public that people were like, Oh, I want to turn that into a story and tell stories about Logan and what these guys do. And, uh, I think it makes sense and it just gives them a fun way to kind of acknowledge everything that they come from. Yeah, t- definitely. And uh, um, it makes a perfect bookend, if it's indeed the true end, but makes a perfect bookend to everything that Hugh Jackman's done the last 17, 17 years, years now. Yikes. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, but moving over to WB, uh, they obviously had a pretty big franchise in the 2000s with Harry Potter, uh, one of the highest grossing franchises of all time. Uh, And apparently they could be in the process of figuring out a way to continue on the main Harry Potter story outside of their new Fantastic Beasts uh, franchise. Uh, With Legendary Jim Hill was on the unofficial Universal Orlando podcast 
Uh, and he said that he has heard that WB already has options for movie rights for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. He says they've had conversations with the original cast members to see them return uh, and dubbed this idea as WB's, quote-unquote, their Force Awakens for the Harry Potter uh, universe. Since that report came out, J.K. Rowling, who wrote all these books, she wrote Fantastic Beasts. She's going to write the upcoming ones as well. Uh, She denied this report on Twitter. So take that as you may. But do you think that we'll get a Harry Potter and the Cursed Child movie trilogy? First of all, I want to say it's very depressing when you talk about the 2000s as a bygone era. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me feel old and I'm only 21. But... This is this is weird, but it doesn't surprise me that the conversations from WB execs and casting had happened, and then Rowling came back and shut it down. Mm-hmm. Because when we, we got the Cursed Child coming out, Rowling, you know, praised it as this this one once in a lifetime offshoot of Harry Potter that was going to take sta- take place on stage, and she was responding to all these controversies around casting to have like just deal with it like i don't care what you think this is my stories and then hearing this sounds like a warner brothers executive um (sighs) my my opinions of wb aren't very high so take this with (laughs) a grain of salt but it just sounds like them thinking how can we make the most money off of everything that rowling's done um and then her defending it sounds like that's the definitive no this is not happening i'm giving you guys Five? Yeah, five Fantastic Beast Beast movies. You know, be happy with those. Stop clamoring for, you know, whatever this uh, upcoming or whatever the Cursed Child, you know, added to the the story. Do you you believe Rowling here? Or do you think uh, this was just like the, well, how can we, you know, spread a franchise out as far as possible type deal? I think Rowling is lying through her teeth. Or through her tweets, I guess, Whoa. in this case. Because maybe she's not aware of it, which would seem completely odd, considering she's the one that wrote the book, that she would have to know if WB has the option to turn it into a, a movie. But, I mean, if you're WB, they're relying heavily right now on the DCEU, which is making a lot of money. And they obviously relied heavily on Harry Potter back in its heyday. And Fantastic Beasts, I mean, still did still did good business it wasn't obviously harry potter numbers but i think once those this five movie arc of fantastic beasts is over you know it'll probably be another decade before that before that whole thing's wrapped up uh you'd have daniel radcliffe being like in his 40s or late 30s early 40s maybe i don't know how exactly old he is and that's a prime time for them to just go all right, well, we know Fantastic Beasts is over, but in two years, you're going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, or whatever they want to call it, if they want to split that one book into three movies or whatever they're, however they're going to do it. Uh, you're going to get that movie in two years. Daniel Radcliffe's returning, Emma Watts is returning, and they're going to be appropriately aged to make that work and have their kids and everything. So I think this is a movie and a trilogy that we will absolutely see one day on film. Oh, man, I, I, I disagree just because of all the elements around the play and how it progressed. But maybe I'm just in denial about, you know, my, my own mortality and what that means if, 
you know, something that kind of popped up in my lifetime is now casting actors to pass the torch on to another generation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just feels, <laughs> that feels too weird to me. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that when Rowling did this, like, I don't think, how would WB have the rights to something that she produced after her book series, you know, in a different genre of, um, you know, performance, uh, books are different than plays. Right. And, because she released it, the manuscript, but it was a it did turn into a book. She re, yeah she released you know a the script of the play for readers who couldn't make it out to London's uh, you know yeah. to see it. But man, I j- I don't see J.K. Rowling as a liar like that. But you're yeah, not a liar, but maybe just you know shutting down yeah. early speculation of what could happen. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I have no idea how the rights things work. Uh, they're, each case is different. So, like, I can maybe explain to you how Fantastic Four's rights work mm-hmm. or how Marvel got the rights back to Daredevil and have since made the Netflix show. Um, but I have no idea what the right situation is between WB and the Harry Potter universe. For all we know, they could have automatic dibs on turning anything Harry Potter-related from Rowling uh, into a movie, they could automatically have that right option into their contracts, and then they just pay an additional amount of money if they do make that decision. So I just think it makes all the sense in the world from WB. After after seeing how good The Force Awakens did money-wise, I mean, it made $2 billion. Uh, I'm not saying Harry Potter is the next Star Wars or the... Like in oh, a it's qu- pretty close. In a, in a, yeah, it, I mean, they're they're two of the top franchises of all time, and after I mean, the last two movies, both made over a billion dollars, I believe. Uh, so, if you bring back Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, any other re- returning members, uh, you're gonna get all the Harry Potter fans that are our age who grew up with those characters, and then any younger generations that have since read the books uh maybe grew up on the fantastic beast movies that would then be like oh there's more harry potter films after fantastic beast and they'd watch those eight movies and then there's a continuation of that story that's you know earned in a sense true man but i just i can't wrap my head around a film franchise that had a, a film franchise with a core amount of characters being expanded to like what they'll make 15 movies yeah. Out of that, now you can be like, well, Marvel, but that's that's a right. different, Marvel, that's a different I mean, thing. You have like, that's a different you have thing. like 30 leads right. in the Marvel Universe. This is all based around a core character, a core couple characters. Yeah. So, man, I'm just, well, we'll be, I'll be waiting with bated breath uh, <laughs> to see how this turns out. Yeah. Uh, but another franchise that is going to see a reboot some point in the future is Terminator. Terminator Genesis did not do as well as studios had hoped. And now Deadline is reporting that James Cameron is in early negotiations with Deadpool director Tim Miller to direct a reboot of The Terminator come 2019 once uh, Cameron gets the rights back to his original property. When is Cameron going to... Okay, well, this sounds great, first of all. Tim Miller taking on the next gen or the reboot of Terminator. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But when is James Cameron going to have time? Well, when is Cameron going to have time to produce this? That I think in the report from Deadline, 
obviously that's why Cameron would not direct these movies mm-hmm. is because he has four Avatar movies on his schedule, which he's filming two and three back to back and yep. then four and five back to back or at the same time or whatever, whatever you want to you know, put it together. But uh, so he obviously doesn't have any time to do that, but if he can craft the narrative of the film and then let Tim Miller and a writing crew develop the story and he just has to look at it and be like, okay, I like this, change this, 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 good to go. And then in 2019, they start production on a Terminator th- reboot, which the report said they wanted to like, they would basically retcon anything that happened after T2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be interesting to wait to see what they would then move forward with. But yeah, I think Tim Miller and James Cameron is a great pairing. Uh, that's you have a guy who doesn't miss at the box office. He turns in some of the highest grossing films of all time and the high, the two highest grossing movies. The two high, the, no, no, the two of the top five. Because Force, Force Awakens passed Titanic. Titanic. Okay, yep. so I think it's yeah two of the top three films of all time. He has. James Cameron has his name attached to. And then you have Tim Miller, a guy who turned in one of the most profitable superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Or pro- it's probably the most, it's the most profitable superhero movie. The most movie, profitable, yeah. I'm sure. Because it's, it's, it's a just, $50 million budget. Yeah. I'm sure their marketing was probably high because they, they kept pushing stuff out, but uh, they made 750 something million, I think. So I think pair those together tim miller is comes from a vfx background so the terminator is obviously going to look great visually uh i'm and then if you pair his visuals his action abilities with james cameron's story uh and creative you know genius i guess then i feel like you have a very very good pairing for the a way to make terminator good again all right well two questions one, do you bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger in some capacity? Two, after Terminator Genesis, would you feel and where do they need to go instead? Well, I don't know how you bring back Arnold unless you do. They've done this thing where they do young Arnold. Yeah. And so I could see them do that again. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched T2. Uh, but if I remember correctly, he the Terminator dies at the end uh, in effort to save Sarah Connors or Sarah Connors kills it. I, I don't remember, but Sarah Connors wins. So that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Genesis, uh, the thing is they took the movie to 2016 or 2015. They took the plot to the present day they like time traveled into the present day and then they had Wi-Fi and JK Simmons was there and uh it's a very weird movie. And so I think what they should do is just take it back to the nineteen nineties or whatever, whatever whatever time period T two takes place in, just pick it up right after there, or you do something really different, get away from the Connor storyline and just go back to the or you go you go to the future and you just have a war movie about the Terminators versus the humans and the clash and everything. So go to the route of whoever directed that Christian Bale, uh, Terminator salvation film. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that movie still takes place. 
in the first original Terminator it, I think it takes plot line, storyline. Does this take place? Uh, I don't know. I don't really remember that movie very well. Yeah, no, it's not memorable at all. No, I just remember Christian Bale's in it, and there's like a, yeah, I don't remember anything else. <laughs> okay, yeah. Is, wait, uh, Anton Yelchin's in it, isn't it? Or is that the fourth one? Or no, Genesis is the fourth one. I don't remember Anton Yelchin in... Uh, he is in one of the Terminators. He's, probably... he's, he's very young, but he is in there. Okay, then I definitely wasn't looking for him back then. Yeah, because I, I think it is I think it is the Christian Bale one, because he plays... Uh, what's it, is, it Jack, a, is it Jack Connor? He, he plays... Yeah, he plays like a, a kid. He's, yeah. he's a kid in that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is... We're time traveling ourselves yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I have no idea what way they're going to go. Yeah, but. Uh, I, I do have confidence in Tim Miller. James, James Cameron, the man that continues to elude me, uh, <laughs> just in personality and filmmaking-wise, but if anybody can restore this franchise to T1, T2 levels, I guess it's him. Yeah. And Tim Miller. Yep, I agree. Uh, moving to the DCEU, something we talked about a lot over the course of the podcast and a lot uh, more recently because of just there's a lot of news coming out of there. And now the rap is reporting that after Green Lantern Corps has found a new set of writers, uh, they are now, WB is now looking and closing in on potential candidates to play Hal Jordan himself. Uh, those candidates are, according to the rap, Tom Cruise, Joel McHale, Bradley Cooper, Ryan Reynolds, who played the character previously, Army Hammer, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, then we got this covered, followed this up, and said that they also heard that James Marsden is being considered for the role. So, very interesting list, uh, because as far as I know, everybody outside of Joel McHale has been linked to a superhero movie, or is currently linked to a superhero movie, with Tom Cruise at one point going to play Tony Stark, Bradley Cooper... Uh, auditioned for Green Lantern back before Ryan Reynolds got it, and he is obviously now the voice of Rocky Raccoon. Ryan Reynolds is now Deadpool and previously played Green Lantern. Army Hammer was going to play Batman for George Miller's Justice League film in the early 2000s, and Jake Gyllenhaal was going to replace Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man, one of the Spider-Man movies. The fourth. Yes. Yep. So, and then James Marsden's obviously Cyclops. So, uh, what do you think of this list for potential Hal Jordans? Well, okay. First of all, cross Tom Cruise off that list. Yeah, I don't think he right away. I don't think he wants. I don't think he. They think maybe the studio would want him to do it, but he doesn't want to do it. I think plus I don't think he's Hal. He doesn't fit like he he has that hot shot mentality. But I want if yeah, Top Gun the way yeah yeah. the way that they seem to be. looking at how and i don't know if how they'll do the how john stewart dynamic and if they'll be have won't be the mentor or if they'll be both the same age and they'll just be venturing off together but i don't think tom cruise is like the how jordan i like where it's how jordan the leader and like the he's like the version of the green lantern where he is hope he has all the will and you're just like yes how jordan right that's not tom cruise yeah he's more grizzled uh like I've seen too much type of a deal right now. Yeah. Um. But Br- Bradley Cooper, I think he, I think he has a shot at it. And Jake Gyllenhaal, all his superhero talk, especially lately, um, makes him a candidate. But I think you said it last week. Um, Arnie Hammer is, you know, top of the list right here because mm-hmm. he hasn't, you know, been identified this decade or these, you know, these last ten years. 
with a superhero movie, and I think that puts him right at the top of the list. James Marden could, but I think he's more of a, a dark horse or a Arnie Hammer wants too much money type of a deal. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think Tom Cruise is a huge long shot. Uh, Joel McHale is interesting. I would never have imagined him as Hal Jordan. Uh, I feel like that would definitely lead more towards a comedic approach to Hal, uh, which is definitely what Ryan Reynolds did. And I also don't really like that because it's just it's too quippy. I don't want it to be too quippy. I want him to be like a semi serious a, a leader. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Bradley Cooper I think could do it. I don't think he would. Um, just because I don't think that's something he's looking to get into. Uh, but I, obviously, I don't know Bradley Cooper. Sure. So it I seems be, like he's got a sweet superhero gig now, just sitting in a studio yeah. voicing Rocket the whole time. Yeah, and he gets, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he gets lots of back ends off the Guardians movies, and he's going to be voicing him in Infinity War. So uh, he seems pretty busy. Ryan Reynolds is, uh, I don't know why you'd go back to Green Lantern after making fun of it in Deadpool, and now you are locked in for Deadpool, and you're being praised for that role. I don't know why you'd go back then to Green Lantern. Doesn't totally make any agree. sense. Uh, so yeah, I think Army Hammer is the top choice. He has been like following and hanging out with Jeff Johns a lot, which is just like, why are you guys <laughs> doing that? Um, yeah. And I think it's his, and he, he looks like how I feel like he would, he would bring that seriousness to how that I want to see. Um, but he can also kind of be lighthearted and stuff. Uh, and obviously I'm a huge fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. I would love to see him get a superhero gig. I don't, he doesn't seem like Hal to me, but I, if he was cast, I, he would knock it out of the park. I know it. So yeah, totally. Especially if they wanted a more grizzled veteran, you know, mm-hmm. style take on him. As yeah. Well. I mean, if he's, if he's the mentor to a John Boyega, John Stewart, then sure. That would be fantastic. It would. So, yeah, I think it's Army Hammer's role to lose. And we'll probably hear something about his casting in the next couple of months before they shoot his cameo for Justice League or whatever. That's right. He's supposed to have a role. Supposedly. So we'll see, I guess. Uh, But the big news out of the DCEU comes from The Rock, the biggest, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood currently. And Deadline is reporting that WB has made the decision to split Shazam!, uh, into two films, which Shazam was initially where The Rock was believed to first appear as Black Adam, an anti-hero villain character. And they have since split the movie into two films to give Black Adam his solo movie. Uh, there's no director attached currently, but we'll maybe speculate on that in a second. Uh, and with Black Adam now getting his own film, he is not set to be the main villain of the Shazam movie whenever that happens. Uh, but a report from the Hollywood Reporter said that he could make a cameo as soon as next year in Aquaman. So what do you think about the idea of Black Adam getting his own solo movie? When do you think we'll first see him? And when do you think we would see this movie? Well, first of all, this is a stroke of genius. I mean, you're going to get people to show up to Shazam anyway. You're going to get people to show up to a Dwayne Johnson movie anyway. So make Dwayne Johnson a superhero, give him his own movie, you get money, and Dwayne Johnson gets to be alive for at least two movies. Yeah. Because, listen, I mean, villains die. Mm-hmm. That's just what happens. So when you pair him against Shazam, you don't want the evil guy to win. <laughs> so yeah. this is perfect. We get to see Dwayne Johnson, like you said, one of the most 
uh, uh, the hottest actors, one of the most entertaining people right now as well. Um, I mean, just in so many ways, like comedic or just straight up action. Um, so this is perfect. I don't know a lot about Black Adam. So if he gets his own solo movie, I get to like the guy even more, uh, especially being an anti-hero like we saw with Deadpool success. So that's perfect. Uh, and it's going to build up and make the ultimate showdown between Shazam and Black Adam, if, when it happens, mm-hmm. even more incredible. So I am all aboard for this split up. Um, does it make you worried about, I mean, what do you think? Is it? Do you not like this? I think this is a no-brainer from okay. WB's perspective because uh, anytime we talk about Shazam, we're just like, I feel like this movie's not going to get made. And now it continues to look like it might not get made <laughs> because you, you, your only cast member, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, just left the, just left the project basically so that he could start his own film. Uh, it makes a lot of sense because you put Black Adam front and center. You put The Rock front and center uh, based on his previous uh, Instagram posts with Henry Cavill. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Superman shows up in Black Adam at some point in some capacity. Um, and I won't be surprised if he is somehow cameos in Justice League either, uh, because I feel like they're, now that they are moving forward with this, with this is unofficial, I guess, since it's not straight from WB, but it's from Deadline, which is like very the, reputable. It's the trade of uh, Hollywood reporters. So I think it. I mean, it's obviously happening. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. I not sure about Shazam anymore. I don't think we'll see a Shazam solo movie. If they honestly. killed it, would you be fine with that? I I couldn't care yep, less. Same here. Unless they, they got somebody huge for Shazam. Yeah, I mean, I I was I liked the idea of Channing Tatum as Shazam and then The Rock as uh, Black Adam and them squaring off against each other. I would. I mean, it'd be an interesting idea now if you're doing Black Adam first before Shazam and then. You have him still. You would have had him still be the villain of Shazam because then you see him, and you see the audience gets to know him, see him be victorious over some threat, and then he turns his attention to Billy Batson and Shazam. And it's like, I'm gonna stop you guys, and you're just like, oh, uh, but I I liked Black Adam, right. and now he's trying <laughs> to kill this. I was trying to defeat this kid. Uh, like that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts you at like a crossroads as an audience member, but that doesn't appear like it's gonna happen. Uh, and I think we'll see this movie in two years to that quickly. I think cause Shazam is dated for April of 2019 currently, or that's when it was officially dated in like 2014, whenever they announced the slate. And I think based on, uh, the rocks previous meetings with WB and talking about how he's going to usher in a new era and all this stuff. Uh, and that this is like, it's actual talk and it's not, like just or there, it, something is actually going to happen out of this out of these meetings and not just like oh hey we're going to talk and you know eat cookies enough coffee like sure i think they're going to want to push this through now that they've agreed to do this and that black adam will replace the shazam release date in 2019 yeah that sounds i mean that sounds about right because you don't know how much longer the rock's going to have this wave of mm-hmm. just instant success yeah attached to him so moving quickly um, I mean, this year doesn't surprise me. This year could be a big one. Like if, like let's say Baywatch and Jumanji just absolutely flop, like The Rock's star power dips, and then you're just like, crap. Yeah, 
So I think you had to capitalize on it. Plus, if you do a Shazam or a Black Adam movie in 2019, you could then have him appear in like Justice League 2 as a anti-hero who could help Dark Side, who could help the Justice League. You don't know which side he's going to fall on. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense. I love how you left out Fate of the Furious in the oh, potential yeah. flops <laughs> for The Rock this year. Well, that because... It's not going to be a flop as much as I hate it. It's it, it's going to make a billion dollars, I'm sure. Really? You still think it'll get there? Without yeah. the without the emotional weight of Paul Walker? Well, that, you know, I mean, that's assuming that, the that then Paul Walker's emotional weight carried a, an additional $500 million. Got me to the movie, but I'm but that's a fundamental. Lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like I think that, I mean, that, that was obviously a huge factor, but I still think even without the Paul Walker death, you still get a billion dollars out of it somehow. I think it'll be the ultimate test of Dwayne's yes, I mean, power. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but before this whole news came out about Black Adam getting his own solo movie, a report from Batman News had them looking around on Twitter and uh, they discovered that Jeff Johns recently followed uh, uh, The Rock's producing partners after his meeting with The Rock. And then a surprise following, Brad Payton, a longtime collaborator with The Rock, directed him in Journey 2 and San Andreas and is attached to do it to direct The Rock again in Journey 3, uh, San Andreas 2, and Rampage. So they have a lot of projects together previously and coming up, even though I doubt Journey 3 is going to happen. Um, but anyways, this led to speculation that Brad Payton would be the director of Shazam. But in light of this announcement now, I think it's, uh, pretty obvious. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if Brad Payton is not the director of Black Adam. I love how, um, the the following people on Twitter has become like the unofficial contract signing or the, uh, the, how it, how telling it can be Mm -hmm. sometimes. It's like, even if you wanted to keep something secret, don't follow that guy. You know what I mean? But I didn't see San Andreas. It looked just like a total, like, you know, 2012 disaster apocalypse type deal. Uh, so I skipped it. So was it good? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good disaster movie. I mean, it's, it's the rock saving people mm-hmm. guess a lot of alexander daddario which is always nice yeah um then carla gigino is uh the rock's wife so there's like good family moments between them and uh, she doesn't act much anymore no. i haven't seen her in a lot so she's, I mean, she, she's she's good in it so i mean it it's it, it's a good disaster movie i okay. can't say it's a it's an it's not an oscar contender or something but how are they gonna do a second one that that's what baffles me but if he handled that well which i think it made mm. plenty of money mm. did well that's a heavy CGI movie that Black Adam's going to be in that same vein. Seems like a perfect fit to me. Yeah. And I think, I think he just gets the leg up and obviously I think this just shows how much pull the rock has behind the scenes with WB where I, I feel like he walked into WB last week for that meeting. It's like, you know, it'd be cool if I got my own movie. Uh, and they're like, well, I don't know. And Brad Payton's going to direct it. Well, I, I don't know. So we're doing this, right, guys? Yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I don't. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's sign these papers and let's do it. Um, it I, see, this is the thing too about WB executives, and I, they're gonna hate. I'm never gonna be able to work for Warner Brother. <laughs> um, if they're this is this, this makes me think. If you show 
them, the domestic box office numbers that Dwayne Wade Johnson pulled in in 2016 and 2015 and that profit and just said, can I have $200 million or somewhere in that vein to go make and market a movie that will probably make 600 mm-hmm. possibly? They're probably like, well, yes, please. All right, go, go yeah. get it done. Yeah. And I, I, that's, that's how I imagine this all went out. I mean, it's it's super. It continues. They're trying to just be like reactionary in a sense. Where sure, I from one perspective, I I understand it and I like it as a fan of being like, oh, you're gonna give me more Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. cool, because I really liked Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. You're gonna give me Black Adams the or the Rock's Black Adams sooner, cool, because I like the Rock and I think he would be a very cool Black Adam. Oh, but the Flash is like getting like continues yes. to get pushed back. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, and like th- this is the exact same way Har- or Margot Robbie pretty much got her Harley Quinn movie made is because she walked into the W offices and like, here's the script for Harley Quinn movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a producer on it. Uh, I have these ideas for it. And like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's do it. And like, they don't, they don't think about it really. Uh, and yeah. now, now they have, including like Wonder Woman and Justice League, they have 20 movies rumored to be like in Holy some stage of production. Yeah. Which is nuts, and I'm, I don't know. I might write an article about it for screen. It, it's we'll a bless, It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, uh, but if if you got if it means a Har- Margot Robbie and The Rock Johnson getting movies, then I'm sure. all for it. Yeah. So uh, that's it for the news, which brings us to the review of Split, the latest directorial effort from uh, controversial director M Night Shyamalan. What'd you think about it, Josh? Well. Not to be too, you know, take the easy way out here, but I'm split. <laughs> um, so M. Night Shyamalan has kind of, I think he's left people in the lurch lately. Uh, I think, man, I can't remember his last movie um, that really got people hyped. He did The Visit like last year or That's two right. years ago and people and, liked that one. And then before that though, he really ticked people off with The Town. Uh, the, was it Martin... Brody? I think that's right. Well, anyway. Mm. No, it wasn't. Anyway, not <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard was in there. Uh, anyway, uh, this movie seems like a horror movie throughout all the marketing, and then we get there, and it turns into just a bonafide thriller. Um, Anna Taylor-Joy and her friends are fighting to survive, but it's not as intense or it's not as... Um, the stakes don't feel super high immediately or uh, up till like the very end but the the shining light the star of this is just james mcavery showing off his immense talent uh playing the 23 22 mm-hmm. 23 personalities 23 different personalities each one of them that you know gets time on screen uh is super memorable um barry dennis patricia like you know all, all these people who represent these different parts of his brain that have come together to protect him and it, it creates this really cool dynamic or like this this character study about you know um at, i think his name's kevin cromwell mm-hmm. uh the, the james mcgavery's character's original name given birth name and his journey through you know being abused as a kid and how all these things you know kind of came together uh to define his personality and i thought that was 
super cool. Um, the movie is evenly paced. Uh, you, it's, it felt a lot more like we got back to the sixth sense. Uh, his, his unabashed best movie. There's nothing intense um, up and not until the very end, but you're just investigating. You're wondering what's going on. You're like, why is this guy the way he is? What are they here for? And um, up until the up until the very end, when things get super weird with him transforming into, I mean, this thing, or you know, becomes this the, the, when the beast arrives, this long rumored um, antagonist to the movie. Um, things kind of get weird and go downhill. And by the end of the movie, I don't know what I was supposed to learn. I don't know what the, the, what the crescendo was supposed to mean or be. And that left me pretty disappointed. It was, it was, it was like we got to the village where all these things are happening. Uh, You wonder what the final result is going to be. And it, it's not as much as you expected or hoped or wondered. And that was a bit of a letdown. Um, Anna Taylor joy is perfect. Um, her character Casey has a infuriating, um, life and backstory that, you know, ticked me off so many times throughout the movie and the payoff for her at the end is pretty good. It's great actually. And I really loved that. Um, the, the movie broke the, the, Broke the mold a bit from what I was expecting, a horror movie. Um, But all in all, uh, I thought it was pretty good. And so I'm going to leave it with three and a half ticket stubs. All right. Yeah. uh, Am I on track here or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a return to form for Shyamalan. Uh, I have not seen many of his movies. Uh, This is the third one as far as I know. Or Yeah, I think it's the third one I've seen from him. So not a huge uh, library to pull from in terms of my feelings for him okay. or as his as him as a director, but I've seen The Sixth Sense, I've seen Unbreakable, and I've seen Split, and all of them I really like. Um, I called it Ghost like 10 seconds ago, didn't I? Split? Uh, no, Sixth Sense. My bad. All right, go ahead. Uh, uh, well, whatever. Correction. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, think it's, I think it's a return to form for him. He he kind of breaks his mold in a sense where as an audience member, you're kind of waiting because he has become known for his twists and turns and you're waiting for that to happen. You're like, okay, what, what's the big twist? What's, what's going to happen? It's going to like just shock me and leave me questioning the whole rest of the movie. And there's not so much a twist. There's a reveal at the end, which uh, you have to be, caught up on his filmography to kind of understand. Um, and I did not understand it. I was just like, Oh, okay. Which kind of left me a little sour at the end, but it's hard to really hate this movie when it's James. It's just James McAvoy's show. Uh, he gives the best performance of his career without a doubt playing Hedwig, Dennis, James. Oh, Hedwig. Hedwig right. was my favorite by far. The best. As soon as he puts oh. on that Kanye West album. Oh my <laughs> gosh. His dancing. <laughs> oh, it was, it was so good. I was like, man, James McAvoy, like a new level of respect for him because like before you see him as like, 
you see him as Professor X now mm-hmm. because that's just what that's what he's been doing recently. You're like, okay, and like he's he's definitely good in that role. But like this is just like he gets to play. I think in the film he actually gets to play eight different people. He doesn't get to play all twenty three. Yeah. Uh, so he gets to play eight or nine if you count the beast or whatever. But uh, it's it's so different. And like one of the things you like learn at one point in the movie is that not only is he playing eight different personalities, but at one point he is playing a different personality as a different personality. Yeah. And you're like, like that's just like something on an acting level. I can't even like imagine trying to do where you have to understand this. You have to understand this character and how this character perceives that character and how they mm-hmm. would then act. And like, it's, it's so complicated, but it's, it just shows just how talented this guy is. And I know it's like the, third week of 2017 but and it'll, it'll never happen but i would love to see him get like an oscar nomination for this role because i can't think of anybody else who's done something like this on such a great level golden globe at the minimum yeah I, he needs to be recognized for it and like he uh, he doesn't qualify for this year's oscars obviously um because split didn't come out until this weekend but i think it's something i would love to see from him i think it's something he deserves um Anya Taylor-Joy also she's an interesting actress because she has like stiffness to her in a sense where you're like there's not a ton of emotion being expressed but for the character of Casey that like worked perfectly because she was able to embody strength but but then at the flip of a switch also be like completely vulnerable at the same time and she just got to really explore that character go on a really nice uh, journey with her where her backstory, like you said, it's tragic. Like you're just like I, how like you're wondering how is this how is this factoring into the story, and then like you kind of see like how her past has let her survival instincts kick in in this situation. Have her like tell the other girls she's kidnapped with like do this and this and this. Like don't do this. Like you need to listen to me. I know you guys don't like me, but I know how to deal with these kind of situations uh as unfortunate as it is and a quick shout out to Haley lou richardson uh she's one of the girls that she is trapped with and she was in edge of 17 which between she gives two oh, really yeah. ni- two really nice performances both these films and i think the movie really works well when all three girls are together at the beginning before Haley lou richardson is eventually taken away and then it's Anya Joy and the other girl, I didn't think they worked as well together. Um, but anytime James McAvoy was on screen, it's just like the movie's at it at the top of its game. And uh, I did think it was really interesting ideology. I don't know if that's the right word to use or the the uh, the mindset of the film that multiple personality disorder could be is could potentially be the thing that unlocks the full potential of humans and yeah, the brain. Uh, I was like that was just like a really fascinating like concept to go through and remind me of Lucy in a sense yeah. where he like, where mm-hmm. you're kind of breaking through the human brain and learning how to distort your body, make yourself invulnerable to certain things. And, uh, I thought that was a really interesting idea to throw into this film. Yeah. It takes the psychology of, like you said, um, monthly personality disorder and it attributes it as a strength or the brain using it as a way to cope with things. And I don't know anything about this, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it sure, you know, any of the stigma around it kind of like shattered for me in in minor ways because I'm still in the dark about what 
any of it means or how it goes. But that, that whole, that whole, like you said, idea um, that the psychologist who, you know, is counseling James McAvery's character, or McAvoy's character, I don't know which way you, you say it. <laughs> it's McAvoy. Uh, I believe it's McAvoy. Okay, McAvoy's character. That really was like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a brilliant idea to explore. And um, now I'm left, you know, wanting to learn, is that, is that idea even possible to exist? Because I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, but the big thing that came out of this movie was then like, obviously the third act is very cool. You're like, you see, uh, his transformation and unlocking of his 24th personality. Uh, and you get to learn about what personality is controlling his body. Uh, and then you get to see on Taylor joy f- fight, basically the beasts, uh, in a sense of trying to survive and try to escape. And the ending, you're just kind of like, Oh, like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? And as somebody who wasn't, didn't know what it meant, I was, like I said, I was a little disappointed, but then upon reading up and, and learning about what the ending means and how it kind of relates to other things, I was like, okay, that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, and like, I think like there's been some people who complained about certain aspects of the film and I think it explains how that's, how those aspects are possible um, because it, the the movie is just different than what it seems initially and like i feel like if you know the twist then watching the movie it, it kind of changes the way the film is presented in a sense and leaves me at least wanting a lot more uh from this so i'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five i would put this up there with 10 cloverfield lane yep i, exactly. I like 10 cloverfield lane way better but the two occupy the same space of Something new, something different for you, but hey, there's a there's, there's a something else. Here. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same thought last night. So, um, I, I don't know what we can talk about in the, spo- the spoiler section here. I mean, obviously the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say that I was worried um, about Casey's backstory because early on I was like, "What does this have to do with anything?" Yeah. I'm like, okay, survival instincts, and I was like, "All right, so that makes sense." A little too convenient. Mm-hmm. But then we meet her uncle or we, we see the true character of Casey's uncle. Um, and I did not expect, you know, to get a, a spotlight, you know, type yeah. anger that I'd felt uh, realizing that he had been abusing her and, you know, among m- many other things, you know, mm-hmm. and then seeing that ultimately come back in the end, I was like, this is one of the better characters that M. Night Shyamalan has brought to brought on screen mm-hmm. and i thought that was incredible especially in the end when you know her surviving that was equivalent to mcavoy's character you know letting her survive well yeah her and live. like it's weird because like in a sense as terrible as it is like her abusive uncle um obviously is the one that like at the end you see that she takes off her jacket and like there's scars mm-hmm. all over her body yep um whether that came from the sexual abuse or if that was from other levels of abuse, they don't make clear, but it's a weird parallel to make that she was only able to survive this event because she kind of knew like, okay, if we deal with him in this way, then we have a better chance of doing this. Like I know how to shoot because of all this stuff, but then the scars are what the, is what the beast saw is like, Oh, you're not pure you are you are pure um 
like you're different from the girls that we're sacrificing to feed off of because you've you're not privileged like you've been through stuff yeah and like that was like a really like interesting uh thing to bring into her character that she survived on multiple levels because of the incident that or the incidents that she's experienced yeah precisely um and you know you can you can argue about why McAvoy uh McAvoy needed to eat them <laughs> meet eat the impure yeah, that or whatever weird. uh to, <laughs> to prove a point but the the culmination of you know why Casey gets to, gets to survive in the end um was was the most was completely earned and surprised me at how how well rounded mm-hmm. that whole thing was what'd you think about then like right after that um where she's like in the cop car and the cop was like okay your your uncle's here to pick you up yeah and you're I, like but like she has that look and like the cop kind of has that look and seems like something something's not right like I, I i can tell you don't want to go mm-hmm. um so if we ever do see more of this character i definitely want to know what happened immediately after that cop car was her uncle investigated did she like uh jail for the rest of his life yeah did that she great yeah did she tell the cop or just somebody that i don't want to go back because this guy's abusing me on a consistent basis and if that is the case then you know what does that mean for her and then obviously we see uh mcavoy at the end as the beast um being unable to die by bullets and he is cooped up in some abandoned factory or something or a building and he's ready to go and you're just like I feel like it leaves a lot open for the future. Yeah, and that was such a great scene too because like you mentioned, um, I think the psychologist tells us in the movie, which I do want to say is a fantastic way to let us let us in on what's going on mm-hmm. with um, Kevin, Dennis, uh, or, you know, whoever yeah. whoever was out there. You, like, you mentioned like one personality tries to mimic the other personality to fool her into thinking that he's good like yeah dennis the the somewhat the ocd but the ocd abusive abusive ill-intentioned guy mm-hmm. um comes out and he's trying to play barry this charismatic leader who's got all this stuff together well and he's like a fashion designer yeah, and it's fact, just like oh that, that, that personality was, was so, so great good. i love when he walked in there i'm like oh this guy doesn't seem that bad you know and then he goes back and he's dennis again i'm like oh what are you doing? Go yeah. be Barry again. And yeah. Especially in that video, mm-hmm. uh, the diary. I thought that was cool. Um, but that ending scene you were talking about, it's all of his personalities kind of melding together in a, in a, a way where, um, what's, what's, what's the eight year old's kid? Hedwig. Hedwig is like, holy, holy cow. This is so cool. That yeah. We're invincible. We're a superhero type deal. And then everyone else is like, we told you dude. Yeah. And I thought that was, that circle of conversation was super cool. Yeah. And I like the reveal that it was Hedwig who was basically like he was controlling the light as they kept saying, where he's the one who decides what personality comes through. Like he had somehow taken over. I believe that they, they pre said it was Barry was the one that was kind of controlling yeah. who, what personality come through. And it was Hedwig instead going, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Hedwig for now, but, uh, I'm gonna switch. To, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let David or um, Patricia or whoever come in next, so yeah. they can so they can deal with things. It was cool, kind of too, because it made it sound like the other personalities had a coop 
mm-hmm. on Barry. Like Hedwig was on Barry's side, and they're like, "Hey, if you if you let yeah. Dennis and Patricia take over, we'll let you become the Beast, and mm-hmm. the Beast gets all this cool stuff." And then you think Hedwig, you know, this super eager kid, is yeah. just like, "Okay, oh yeah, let's do it. I want to be invincible." Yeah, but then uh, he's still having those moments of doubts where he lets the other people come through for a second, so he can send the emails uh, to the psychologist and stuff. So. Uh, really interesting thing, but then the big, the, it's not a twist, it is a reveal, and yeah. the reveal is that after uh, uh, Casey is saved, uh, there's like uh, news reports on it, on, and we're in a diner, and it's sweeping through, and then there's somebody asks, oh, you know, this kind of, about, this this case about this guy who with multiple personalities reminds me of that one guy who was put away 15 years ago what was his name again? And then Bruce Willis leans in and is like, Mr. Glass. And it's a tie-in for Unbreakable, um, which is why I watched the movie the other night because I was like, I don't know what this means, but then I watched it and it made, it makes sense because Unbreakable is basically a superhero movie where, but not in the traditional sense where it, Mr. Glass is played with Samuel L. Jackson and this is spoilers for Split and Unbreakable, um, but he plays a guy named Mr. Glass who, when he was born, he had fractured bones. And throughout his whole life, he had he had a disorder where his bones were weaker than most. So they, just, they would break easily. And he then got... His mom would then buy him comics so that he would go out into the world and not just sit at home so he didn't like break his arm or his leg or something. And he then became a huge comic enthusiast. He would like buy like early drawings of comics. He had a huge collection. But then... He, as somebody who read comics, like the easy trope in like comic books and the movies themselves are the villain is always the opposite like power set of the vil- of the the hero in a sense. So if you look at or they have like they have similar they have similar powers but they use them for different things. Like Ant Man, you have Ant Man who obviously is using his power, his shrinking ability for good, but then you have Yellow Jacket who is using his shrinking abilities to weaponize them and be a yeah. and try to make money and profits and win wars and everything. And so for Mr. Glass, he looked at himself and was like, if I'm like this and there has to be somebody out in the world who is the one who's the opposite of me. And so then he, you don't notice until the very end of the movie, but he then starts sabotaging like these massive plane crashes, boat crashes, trail cr- train crashes, like anything to try to find somebody the the lone survivor who is the guy who's unbreakable and that's Bruce Willis because he he was like a famed like football player and then who never got any injuries he'd never been sick before then he got in a car accident one night with his wife he wasn't injured he literally rips the door off of his car with his bare hands uh, because he's just strong he like he bends the metal and everything pulls his wife out and then when the people come and ask him like oh are you okay okay he lies and says he is hurt so that way he could have a career-ending injury uh and could escape the 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 pressure of being like a star football player and everything and so that he uh is then the movie starts with him on a train which then we learn that samuel jackson sabotaged traffic crash and then when he sees the headline 170 people killed only one man survives he knows this is my guy this is the opposite of me and 
I'm going to find, I'm going to find him out. I'm going to help him realize his abilities. And that way we can be the, you know, the arch nemesis of each other. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for, I, I, I know see, it's a long explanation. No, that's but, a great explanation. Cause you helped me piece together the ending where like the, the part that I'd seen is Samuel L. Jackson, you know, revealing, Oh, I'm the evil guy. Mm-hmm. You're like, what, what? So you, we see, Mr. Glass's name get name drop. We see Bruce Willis's name tag, you know, saying done, done on yep. it, um, which, you know, points all that out. So we now know that Split and Unbreakable occupied the same universe. Yeah, and that's why, like, there's been some critics who have, like, oh, you know, before that kind of reveal, I didn't like the fact that, like, it, it felt too weird that he could, uh, that uh, McAvoy could all of a sudden just, like, transform his body into being, like, a supervillain. And with the reveal, then it's like, okay, well, that makes sense because this isn't like the real world. Mm-hmm. This is a alternate world where our, you know, our our biochemistry, our physics, or stuff like those don't apply because we have a guy who literally can't die, um, and then we have a guy who just like whose bones just break all time. And now we have a person who uh, is like transforming his body into whatever he wants so uh apparently uh shaman already has ideas to make a unbreakable sequel split sequel all in the same movie to combine everything back together which after seeing both movies i'm completely on board for well i need to catch up with it but i I do like this idea and it does make the ending um, that I had a problem with does give more context to it. Yeah. Um, which I do. I l- really like the entire film, but the ending with McAvoy's uh, transformation into the beast and his invincibility, while cool, the idea was kind of far fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if. If they can, if Shyamalan wants to, you know, pair these two movies together and have Bruce Willis, you know, have one last ride as uh, done, you know, take down the rising menace that's McElvoy or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you'd have to think that Mr. Glass, who is imprisoned at the end of the movie, uh, is broken out at some point and that he would team up with the beast to get revenge to get revenge on Bruce Willis. I don't know if Aunt Taylor Joy would then get involved. Um, Probably not. I would hope so because I like I liked her character a lot. But unless uh, well, Kevin or like whatever personality is controlling the beast has the fixation of well she knows our secret. We need to get we need to take her down. Mm-hmm. Then maybe that works. Um, yeah, she's the resident. You know expert now yeah that, uh, his psychiatrist was killed yep like yeah he, she knows like the phrase that at least worked that one time that if you say his full name then the original kevin comes through and can almost be taken down if you if you work fast enough but then like they the other personalities seem to uh somehow you know 
take him out of the equation. Yeah, it's really interesting because it makes it seem like, and then they talk about how they're all in this room together and they're in chairs. So it almost sounds like, you know, they can tie him up and gag mm-hmm. him and keep him out of the place. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool. Inter- cool too. When we learned why Kevin's name triggers that is because his mom, when mm-hmm. she would be beating him, would call him by that. And that, you know, recalls him to his most vulnerable state. Yeah. So I thought that, I mean, so m- this was a real, I haven't hit up anybody else's reviews yet. Um, and maybe I'm speaking from slight ignorance on a lot of these, you know, issues, but I feel like this was such a really well put together movie. It was. Um, the tie in seemed a little bit lame, but, uh, I think after you see unbreakable, you, f- you feel it. Cause like, I, I, I thought it was kind of lame too. I was like, oh, okay, that, that's cool. You would tie his movies together, kind of make a Shyamalan universe in a sense. But it's like, but that's not like a, a cool, that's not super cool reveal. But then like after watching unbreakable, it makes it makes it a little better. Okay. So uh, there's a really cool article from EW with Shyamalan where he talks about how where he would take a sequel and all this stuff, and he actually revealed that in the original script for Unbreakable, Kevin from Split is was in the movie, oh. um, and I believe he was going to like at one point in Unbreakable, Bruce Willis. Like once he realizes he does have abilities, he can like, this is, it's a really weird part of his character and like doesn't really explain a lot, but he can like see people and like see their past, like, like if they're evil or not in a sense, cause he's a security guard. So like he's always had this sense of, all right, there's something wrong with this guy, but he didn't, he didn't fully understand what it was. But like once he understands his abilities, he like, he can look at somebody and be like, he knows they're evil and he can see why. And he was going to bump in to Kevin in unbreakable originally and see all these like different personalities and like all the bad stuff. The personalities have done before. Oh wow. So, uh, he, Shaman apparently already has a draft ready to go for a unbreakable split combination sequel. So if split does well and it's getting good reviews, which, is always good to see from a director's perspective, then I think our chances are kind of pretty good that we could eventually see this movie and I'll definitely be there opening night for it whenever, if it yeah. ever comes out. It's, I think, I mean, so I, ha- I haven't seen the visit yet, but it didn't, you know, like you said, it didn't get, you know, got good reviews, got good reviews. I think we're getting to the point now where if, if Shyamala is finally like done being, trying to be super innovative, mm-hmm. And getting back to what he loves the best and stuff. Right. And it's telling a simple story that at some point has a twist that changes up everything you thought you knew. Yeah, devise movie convention mm-hmm. in some way. I think, you know, we could get back into the, uh, you know, the dawn of uh, the, the latter half of his career where yeah. we can be excited about his movies again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, which is something I've been desperate because, you know, Sixth Sense has been ruined for me. It's, since my birth like so i couldn't ever watch that movie and be like dead the whole time huh <laughs> have you seen it though i've seen like the opening 25 minutes see i knew the twist of sixth sense too and i watched it but i was still like blown away by the movie Is because it- like even knowing it you're just like you're trying to you're like watching it and trying to figure out how it how does it work like you're trying to find like the little hints of stuff like okay like so this is how this is like a signal that he's not actually there because he doesn't move this object ever. Like he just, there's no tracks or anything. And like he, nobody ever like 
it's it's really interesting movie. I well, love it. Like the intricacies of how no one ever addresses him, mm-hmm. no one ever speaks to him, yeah. always to the kid, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's it's really really smart. Like five five ticket stubs. Nice. Okay, I'll need to get to it because I mean I've seen the parts where he he dies, um, meets the kid, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a really interesting movie. Um, and like Shyamalan said, like this past week that he would love to do a direct an episode of stranger things i was like sure let's Please. make it let's make it happen because i think i think it'd be fun but the thing that i, I tweeted this afterwards i was like i would love like i i'm a big fan of moon knight i want him to get his own marvel netflix series and it'll never happen but moon knight is a guy who has m- multiple personalities as well and he's like an anti-hero and i would love to see mcavoy play that character Ooh. and have shaman like direct like the, the pilot. pilot or something but yeah. i was like it'll never happen that's, but that's 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 a dream of mine. Just so y'all know, um, but that's it. That's that's our episode. That's our review of Split. Uh, go check it out. Hopefully, you didn't listen to all of our spoiler thoughts, and then go see it because uh, I think it pays not to know what happens. Either even though if you know the reveal, I don't think it ruins the movie. I think the joy, even if you do have the movie ruined, the joy, one of the biggest joys is watching. Yeah, McAvoy on screen, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a delight in and of itself. Yeah, I think it'll go down as one of my favorite performances of 2017 when everything's said and done. Ooh, this is pretty early, dude. I know, I know it's it's a, it's the it's a first 2017 review, but mm-hmm. I mean it started off really strong. That's for sure. So I mean I was saying it's kind of similar things about John Goodman with Ten Cloverfield Lane. It's a little later in the year when it came out, but March, uh, yeah. That still one of his performance is still one of my favorites of 2016, and I, I wish you'd get a supporting nod, but it'll never happen. Um, but anyway, during our time away, be sure to tell your thoughts on everything we covered by chance at Friends and Film, where you will receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at coops underscore hoops, and you can follow me Josh at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, you can head over to iTunes, give us a five star review with comments, telling us what we do. Uh, what we do well, what we could do better on, uh, what we can do to keep you listening, because that's that's what really matters. And uh, before we sign off, Josh, what are we reviewing next week? Well, it looks like we're talking about Gold, um, the Matthew McConaughey movie star uh, that was directed by the upcoming Division, Division. director. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, it looks like a Wolf of Wall Street gone retro. Yeah. Uh, but Matthew McConaughey being bald and fat is really different and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down for it yeah i think that's what we'll be doing uh if not i think the only other wide release is a dog's purpose um but there was a lot of controversy around that movie this week and if we don't get gold i'm refusing to see dog's purpose All so right. maybe we don't do a review next week or maybe we or pay, we'll we pay a montage to my favorite place mcdonald's yeah, go see, see the, the founder. founder. Sure. I mean, I almost saw the movie this weekend, but I... We'll figure it out and get it to weekend. Yes. So, not a dog's purpose. Even though I think the movie does look good. If you don't know the controversy around it, I'm just, basically they abused one of the dogs on the set, and I don't want to support that. It's a very awful video. Yes, it is. So, I, I would encourage you not to watch the video, but I think it's important to learn about it before you go and pay money to support this movie um but anyways that's it for the friends of film podcast josh hey thanks for stopping by everyone thanks again for tuning in to the friends of film podcast be sure to tune in next week for our review